Oh, what a great morning to start off. Uh, at this time, we'd like to dismiss the, the children to the back with Miss Christy and Miss Corrine. Uh, we have a simultaneous thing that runs back there called Promised Land that's designed specifically for them. Um, and so while they go off and do that, I know we are not supposed to brag, but I'm going to do it anyway. For those of y'all that don't know, I get to experience that every week. And so they do such an amazing job and such have a willing uh, and the servant heart inside of them. Uh, for those of y'all that don't know who I am, my name is Mark, and I have the blessed opportunity to serve as youth minister here at Main Street Baptist Church. Close to about 10 years ago, uh, God called me into ministry, specifically youth ministry, and it's a calling that I place very dear on my heart and take very seriously because it's a ministry that God has put me to be able to be his vessel to our teenagers, to be able to walk hand in hand, uh, step by step, day by day with them as they develop their faith journeys, as they discover on a deeper level who God is, what a relationship with him looks like, and how to live a life that is God-centered. And not only that, I get to partner with some amazing youth parents uh, and their families as we build a community of love and support around these students. Uh, this servant heart that they have, that they're so willing to share with God's kingdom, is something that we should all strive to obtain in our lives. And sometimes we can get derailed from that. Sometimes life gets so busy that we can get derailed from pursuing that servant heart. And one of the ways that that can happen is that we start focusing our attention more on the things of this world. We start focusing our attention more on material objects or different sporting events or different athletic things or whatever it is that we are into in this world. And it's that kind of stuff that can distract us from a relationship with God. It's that kind of stuff that can distract us from the truly important things in life. There's a word that we have in our English language that I would say most of us know the word, but I wonder how many of us actually understand the meaning of it. And the word I'm referring to is idolatry. Idolatry I once heard referred to as the worshiping of a false god. And while that is a true statement, that is a true definition of that word, it is a very simplistic definition. And we need to this morning take a hard look at what it means. What does idolatry mean? How is it played out in our lives? How does it distract us and distance us from a relationship with God? And are we even aware that we have it going on right now? Idolatry is so much more than just worshiping a false god. Idolatry is the worship of idols or excessive devotion to or reverence for some person or thing. Basically, an idol is anything that replaces the one true God in your heart and in your life. The most prominent form... <laughs> of idolatry back in the biblical days was worshiping an image that was thought of to embody the various pagan deities. And while this is not as prominent in our world today, we do still fall victim to a form of idolatry in our day-to-day -day lives. And it's time that we take a hard, honest look at it and identify, is this something we deal with in our life right now? And if so, how do we fix it? Author Mary Jo Sales in research for one of her upcoming books, had the opportunity to have a conversation with several teenagers, one of which made a pretty profound statement to her. She said, social media is destroying our lives. Let me say that one more time. Social media is destroying our lives. 
And Mary responded back going, well, if it's that bad, why don't we disconnect from it? If it's that horrible of a thing, why don't we get rid of it? And the teenager responded back because then we would have no life. And when you think about that single statement, I wonder how many of us have said that. And that's what we're going to look at this morning is how that one single statement, whether we internalize it or we speak it aloud, most of us have felt at some point in our life. We just may not have realized it. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Exodus chapter 32. It's towards the beginning of the Bible. Uh, you got Genesis, Exodus. It's the second book. And as you're turning there, I'm going to kind of walk you through the narrative up to this point. The Israelites had experienced hardship and slavery in Egypt. <clears throat> they cried out to God who rescued them out of their slavery, providing for them along the way. And through multiple occurrences, they saw his power, his presence, and his love being played out in their lives. So you would think with all of that that they would flourish. You would think with all of that, things would just go great from then on. Because they've got God pouring into their lives and rescuing them out of the slavery that they were in. But the problem is, they turn to what so many of us do, and that is rebellion. God is giving them freedom, and they're rebelling against it. And what makes this kind of rebellion so crazy, so insane, is that the people are rebelling against the one thing that their hearts crave more than anything else. They're rebelling against the one thing that their lives need more than anything else, and that is a relationship with God. And he has delivered it to them, but they are rebelling against it. <clears throat> Rebellion towards God sends you towards worshiping things that cannot provide for you. Things that you hope will, but never will be able to fulfill the void that is in our life. To fill the hole that is there. And this brings us to Exodus chapter 32. In Exodus chapter 32, out of respect for God who is speaking to us through his word, would you please stand as we read part of this passage. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this man Moses, who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in, your, in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. When you think about all that the Israelites had experienced, all that they had witnessed, it's very surprising how quickly they turn from the one who has rescued them, from the one who has provided a way for them, from the one who has showered them with love, in towards worshiping an idol. The Israelites were feeling a, vo feeling a void in their hearts and in their lives, and instead of leaning towards God, they leaned towards something else. And that something else became their ultimate foundation. And their ultimate reason for living, their ultimate golden calf, if you will. 
Idolatry is a very easy temptation to fall into because oftentimes what we want in life is instant gratification. And that's the, that's the society we live in. I want it now. I want instantaneous. I, give it to me now. We can Google anything we want. It's instant gratification. We get used to that. And so in our lives, we expect that. We look for that. And so that's one of the reasons why temptation of idolatry is so easy to fall into. Because these things, these false things, will start giving you that instant gratification. Or you think it will, at least. So so what happens is then we start building up golden calves in our lives. And we start saying really off-the-wall, absurd things. Behold the spouse who has delivered me from loneliness. The children who have given my life value. The car, the house, the bank account, the watch, the new job, the job promotion. The workout programs, the clothes that have rescued me. I know that sounds very crazy. And I know you're probably sitting there going, Mark, there's no way I would ever have said that. But what we do when we ascribe divine attributes to these things, these material objects, these things of future garage sales, that's what we're doing. Is we're placing them at a higher level. We're placing them as our ultimate foundation. If you're not aware that this may be happening in your life right now, or that there's a demonic power that surrounds new stuff, then you may not be taking a hard enough or honest enough look at your life and inside your heart. Because it's crazy that new things, new clothes, new car, new hobbies, new workout programs, new cell phones, new relationships can make you feel like a better person. It makes you feel new. It makes you feel complete. How many of y'all have ever driven away in a new car or a new car at least to you and it has that smell and you go, oh, I'm happy now. My old car, yeah, could get me from point A to point B and probably could have for several years, but I needed that something new and man, now I feel great about myself. Or you get a new wardrobe and all of a sudden you feel, yeah, I'm great. Now, none of this stuff is bad in and of itself. But when it becomes your ultimate foundation, when it becomes what you live for, what you surround yourself with, and what you say, that's my identity, that's when it becomes idolatry. That's when it becomes a sin. That's when it becomes a problem. And so now we have this whole thing being worked out in our lives. And it's working out in every aspect we do, every action we take, every word we say. We try to project an image. We tried to project a certain vibe vibe out there. So from the car you drive, to the clothes you wear, to the house you buy, to the, the watch you, you wear, to the phone you carry in your pocket, all of it is designed, thoughtfully carried out to project an image that you want people to see. Because you somehow feel that if you spend more than you have to look a part that you want to look, Somehow you're going to project to the world that you're worth something, that you're legitimate, that you're viable, that you're special. It's all about an image. 
Our identities become so wrapped up in the world and what they think of us. Our social media posts become strength projections of us. It may come across as a negative rant. But what we're doing is saying, you know what, I'm better than this. And I'm projecting the strength. Or it may come in, look at my life, look how great it is. We're projecting the strength, it's an image. We're so concerned about what the world thinks, and that's how our identity is wrapped up, and that is idolatry. We're not focused on our relationship with God, we're focused on the world. In trees, there is this condition that's called heart rot. It's a fungal disease that causes the decay of wood at the center of trunks and branches. Fungi enters the tree through wounds that are present in the bark and decays from the inside. The fungus gets inside, and even though there are no visible signs on the outside of the tree, it begins to rot from the inside. And this is not something the tree just doesn't all of a sudden explode. It starts with a little pinhole, just a little bit of a rottening, and then it explodes over time. And the reason why is because something hits you, something hurts you, something created pain and suffering, and instead of dealing with it, we let it sit there, and it festers, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. And before too long, there you've got a massive amount of heart rot that's eating away on the inside. And so what happens is you have this big, massive-looking tree that seemingly can withstand anything that comes its way, all of a sudden collapses. All of a sudden starts to unravel. All of a sudden starts to fall down because it's dead on the inside. We like to project that we have our lives all together. We like to project that our relationships are great, they're strong, they're full of love. We like to project that our kids are amazing. We like to project that our houses are happy, that they're so full of life. And they may very well be, but even when they're not, we want to project that they are. And this is what we do on social media. This is what we do when we talk to people. Somebody will ask you the question, how are you doing? And our immediate reaction, what we want to say, and what our almost instantaneous response is, I'm doing great. Or my life is so blessed that I can't even contain myself. Things are going awesome. Never mind the fact that when I go home, man, I'm in tears because I'm in so much pain. But I'm not going to project that. I want people to think I'm strong. The problem is that sometimes when we're projecting this, we're just covering up the heart rot that's inside. And we're basically trying to spray perfume on something that stinks. We want to put off an aroma that we're good, that that we're strong. It's not really what's going on, but it's what we've been taught to project. We've been taught to be strong, not let people see our weaknesses. Because if people see our weaknesses, then they're going to know who we really are, and it's going to make us vulnerable, and we're going to have to deal with this stuff that's on the inside that I don't want to deal with. And these wounds can be anything that has happened in your life. They can be somebody made fun of you at one point in your life. 
Somebody pushed you down. Maybe you went through a relationship that fell apart. Maybe you went through a financial crisis. Maybe you had a wreck and you haven't fully recovered. Maybe you've had an illness. Maybe you've lost a loved one. There's something in your life that is a wound, and if we don't deal with it, it eats away at the inside. We've all seen something like this happen in our life or in the lives of people around us. What happens is that all of a sudden this person who we thought had everything in place starts to unravel. Their, their life starts to unravel. And our first reaction is, how did that happen? What happened? I thought everything was great. Life was going so good for them. He had a great job. They had a great house, great family. Life was strong. What happened? And it's because there was heart rot on the inside that wasn't being dealt with. There was hurt and despair and sadness that was being held back because we've got to project the strength. Happens in our own lives and we go, man, what happened to us? I had everything going. Life was good. I was on a trajectory where I was happy. It's because there was something you didn't deal with. Something that you didn't want people to know about. Something that you were trying to hide. And then inevitably, the one comment that most people say in a time like this is, God, where were you? Or how come you let this happen in my life? And it creates even more of a distance in our relationship with God. And God's response to us is, man, I've been here the whole time. Where you been? I provided you a wonderful family to confide in. Confide in. Why didn't you do it? I provided you love. I provided you direction. Why didn't you take advantage of it? I've been here every step. God is a gracious and loving God. And we have rebelled against him. We have placed these idols in our lives, these material objects, our sports, our workouts, our hobbies, the world's successes before our relationship with God. We have chosen slavery and death over freedom and life. We have chosen to live in a life of sin rather than in a life of freedom. But it doesn't feel that way in the moment. Because in the moment we justify our actions. We justify going, you know, you just don't understand. I have to give my attention to this. Whatever it is in your life that is valuable to you. Maybe it's the you love to play video games and that's your life and so you got to devote your time to that. Or maybe it's your job because you know that if you build higher up the corporate ladder, you're going to make more money to provide more for your family. I've known people that that is how they live their life. And when they look back and see that their marriages have fallen away, the one response that comes out is, well, you never were there for us. You never showed me affection. You never spent time with me. We focus on the world and forget what's truly important until it's too late. And the collateral damage that takes place takes us by surprise and makes us gasp. We need to understand that this kind of stuff does not happen overnight. This is something that takes time to develop in our lives. It's something that starts out small and builds. And we have to be able to rest in God's love and grace and confide in the family that he has given us. To be able to share our pains. 
to be able to share our laughters. John 3.16 is a passage that most of us have heard of. Either we've heard the number, John 3.16, we've heard that scripture reference, or we've heard the passage, or we've read the passage, or we've seen it on a bumper sticker, or on a billboard. I've seen big billboards that just say John 3.16 on it. Or maybe somebody had a t-shirt or a hat on that said John 3.16 on it. So you've seen the, the scripture reference. But I wonder how many of us have taken the time to actually focus on the scripture itself. That passage says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that whoever believe in him shall not perish but have ever, uh, eternal life. This is not just something that belongs on a bumper sticker. This is something that should resonate on our hearts, resonate in our lives. It should be something that we live out of every action, every word, everything that comes out of us should reflect our love for God, our relationship with God. It's not something we should just post out on social media. Somebody should be able to look at us and go, okay, they are living a life at God-centered, and I want that. I want to have whatever it is that they've got because there's something about them. Because if God truly is our ultimate foundation, if he truly is who we love and live for, then people who see us and hear us and know our lives should see it. So the question that we need to ask ourselves this morning is where are we at in the story? Are we being rescued Is there an issue in your life right now that you are struggling with? Whether it's a financial issue, it's a relationship issue. Maybe you you are struggling with the loss of a loved one. Maybe you're struggling with pain from an injury. Maybe you're struggling with something else. Is there something in your life right now that you are struggling with and you are crying out to God for help? And God is rescuing you out of that. Or he's providing somebody for you to lean on, to talk to, to come out of that. Or are we in the rebelling stage? Are we sitting there going, okay, God, you have delivered me out of this, and I love you for that, and I thank you for that, and there's no way I could live my life without you. I couldn't have gotten through that without you. But you know what? Right now, I got it, man. My life is good right now. I got it under control. You just hang over there. I'll come see you when I want. Are we rebelling? Are we turning away from God's love? Are we saying, you know what, God, I'll tell you what, I'll go to church once a month or whatever, six months or, or maybe a year, once a year or two because that's all I can afford to give you because I've got to focus on my job. I've got to focus on my hobbies. I've got to focus on this part of my life. To where I can be a success. We're rebelling. Or we're more focused on how we look to somebody else. Than what's inside and what's really coming out. <clears throat> or. Are we listening to the truth. That is being spoken into our lives this morning. Are we listening to God. Who is speaking to you through love. Going guys. I'm here. Painful as it may be, are we listening to the truth that's coming out? 
Maybe it's not a pain that you're doing. Maybe it's a rejoicing moment. Maybe you're celebrating the fact that, man, I'm doing everything God's called me to do, and I'm living that life, and, and man, I'm getting an affirmation from God. If that is the truth that's God speaking into your heart, great. If he's speaking into your heart that you need something more, and you need to take a look at your life, are we listening to it? Are we letting him speak into our hearts? Some of you are in here, and you have been pursuing a life with God at the center of it, but you're stumbling. You have some issues you're trying to work through. You're trusting in the grace of God. You get up when you fall down, and you delight in the fact that His delight in you never wavers. And you understand that He has saved you from a life of slavery to your sins. Maybe you're, you've been hanging around for a while and you've heard a few sermons. You've been visiting a few months or maybe a few years. And you would say, man, I still, I just got some questions. I'm, just, I'm not ready there. I'm not ready to commit my life to God. I'm not ready for that relationship because there's some things I just don't understand. But we're afraid to ask the questions. I've heard people say that you can't ask questions. It's wrong to ask a question. A guy that I highly, highly admire, deeply respect, who's a spiritual mentor for me, told me back when I was searching, when I was struggling, when I was trying to figure out what life meant, when I was trying to figure out how to fill a void in my life. But I had questions, and I got told by people, you should not question. I had a guy that said, I don't want you to accept our life with God yet. And it shocked me that he said that, but he said it because he said, you've got to understand what it means. If you've got questions, you've got to find the answers to those. And God's going to provide you the pathway for it. And one of the pathways is right here. He's going to give you everything you need, and you've got to ask those questions. You've got to be willing to take that step out. Because once you do, you learn. Once you learn, you understand. And once you understand and you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the most important thing in your life. Because you understand what he's done for you. It's okay to have the questions. It's not okay to not ask them. Maybe you're the one who knows a few scripture verses by heart or a few catchphrases that you could basically sum up on Instagram or on a bumper sticker or a shirt logo. But if you took a hard, honest look at your life, you would say that your life is not reflecting a life with God on a deeper level. It's a surface level relationship. If you took that hard look, what would it say? We all fall short. We all have put idols in our lives. We all have sinned. My biggest, my biggest contraption, my biggest sin is right here. Because I don't go anywhere without it. And I worry whenever I don't have it with me. And when the new one comes out, I want it. I feel like I have to have it. But I don't. This is a screen that gives me instant gratification. I don't need it. I want it. 
This is an idol for me. This is something I've placed in my life. And I'm asking God to help me get rid of it. To not lean on it so much. We have to be willing to have these conversations with ourselves. We have to be willing to have these conversations with God. And we have to be willing to be honest about it. We have to be willing to step out. And whatever comes back, we got to be ready for it. I've told people before, you ask me a question, you better be ready for the answer. You may not like it, but you better be ready for it because I'm not going to hold it back. God's the same way. He's going to give you an answer. The answer may be no. The answer may be you don't need it. The answer may be sure. The answer may be here. here, Here's the answers. Here, here's the family to love on you. Whatever it is. The love and kindness of God is moving towards you today, in this moment. God brought you in here on Sunday morning, April 22nd, because there was something you needed to hear. Whatever it is that God needed to say into your heart, He is saying to you. I've told the students before, if your hearts are heavy, there's a reason. Because God is reaching in and saying, here's where you need it. If your hearts are rejoicing, that's because he's celebrating with you because of what you've accomplished. There's something that you need to hear. There's something that you need to take to heart. And God, hopefully, is reaching out to you. I'd like to ask you to do something for me, though. And uh, I've done these with the students, so they, they kind of know what's going on. They kind of know what's happening. I'd like everybody to sit back and close your eyes. Heads are bowed. There's no eyes open. There's no heads raised. Nobody's looking around. This is you and God. This is you talking with God. And I'll tell you, God knows everything in your life right now. He knows everything that is on your heart right now. He knows every sin you've ever committed and ever will commit. He knows everything to rejoice with. He knows everything about you. So if you try to hold back in this moment... You are only fooling yourself. Because God knows everything. With every eye closed and every head bowed, what I want you to do is I want you to take a deep breath and then let it out. And do that a few more times. And while you do that, I want you to wipe your mind of every distraction that's around you. I want you to wipe your mind of every distraction that you have. You may have a job uh, travel coming up. You may have a family gathering later on. You may have a game that you need to go to. You may have an issue in your life that you're trying to deal with and you're thinking about, man, how's that going to play out tomorrow or how's that going to play out today? Wipe that away for just a few moments and just focus on your breathing, breathing in, breathing out. If you are in here today, And you would say that you have a relationship with God. And even though you understand you're not perfect, none of us are. You are constantly pursuing a life with God at the center of it. If you would say that is you, every eye closed, every head bowed. If you would say that is you, would you just lift your hand right now? Thank you. You may lower your hands. Every eye closed, every head bowed. This is going to be a little harder to swallow. This one's going to take a little more courage on your part. This is going to take something else that you've got to reach in. But I encourage you to do that, to take a step out in that courage. 
If you are in here today and you would say that you've been coming for a while now and you have been having conversations about God with some people, but to be honest, you have not given your life fully over to him. You're, you've held back for whatever reason. Maybe there's questions you need to answer. Maybe there's something that you just have not figured out. Maybe you're trying to be rebellious, something you are not turning your life fully over to him at this point. But you come. If you think that might be you, would you raise your hand right now? Thank you. Y'all may lower your hands. Maybe you're in here today and you would say, Mark, I'm a little anxious because I might be somewhere in the middle of all this. I know some things about God and I know some things about the Bible. However, I don't really have a genuine relationship with God. I just know stuff about him. Or I know enough to be dangerous. I've got some knowledge. I don't have a real relationship with him. If you think that might be you, would you please raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you for taking that courage. Thank you for raising your hand. You may lower him down. You can open your eyes now. I encourage you that if you need somebody to talk to, if you need somebody to pray with you, if you need somebody to walk this life with you, please find it. We have a wonderful, loving church family that God has put here at Main Street. And it doesn't matter if it's the first day you've ever stepped in foot this door. You're part of our family. Or it doesn't matter if you've been here for years. You're part of the family. Our band is going to come up here in just a few minutes. And they're going to close us out in worship. And if you need some prayer, if you need somebody to talk to, what I, what I encourage you to do is to take that step out. Come to the back back there. Pastor Ernest, myself, and Brad, we're going to be standing in the back. Come pray with us. Come talk to us. Come, even if it's to walk up and say, man, I just need to know that you know that I'm struggling. And you turn around and walk away. If that's what you need. Or, and I, I talked to the pastor about this and he said it's okay. If, if you need some prayer, but you don't want to come back here with us, come right here to these steps. Just kneel down at the steps and pray. God's here for you. God is moving towards you every moment. God wants that relationship with you. He has been there for you. Now, I know reality tells me that there's going to be a thousand and one reasons for you to stay seated right where you are. And not to do anything about it. To let these words go in one ear, out the other, and never make that journey to your heart. Because we're going to justify that. Because we all want to be better. We all want to be smarter. We all want to be more put together than we are. That's what we want to project. We may be looking around going, I don't want to be the first one to get up, so I'm not going to. Or we may be looking around going, you know what? If I get up and go up there for prayer or go back there to talk to those guys, somebody who knows that I've been here for a while is going to question me. And I, I can't let them in. I can't let them see that. Or they're going to judge me in some fashion, and I don't want that. There's going to be something that's going to hold you back. 
But the longer you sit there and debate, the longer you don't ask the questions you need to ask, the longer you don't get the prayer that you need, the longer you don't turn your life to God and say, God, I, I need you. The longer you don't help for, for guidance, the harder it's going to be as you move on in your life and the more you're going to look like that photo of heart rot. And then when it all comes crashing down, you're going to go, what happened? That's because you didn't take the moment that God gave you. You didn't take the moment that he presented before you. We have all placed idols in our lives. We have all fallen short. We have all become sinners. We were born sinners. We, there's nobody in this room that is that put together. It just, it, it, it's not here. We're all human. So let's confide and rest in the love and the grace that he's given us. Let's confide, confide in the church family that God has put around us. The longer you sit there and debate yourself, the longer it's going to be before you do anything. It is time to walk away from the idols that we have built up. It's time to take the, the phone and put it down. It's time to walk away from a life of rebellion. It's time to walk away and raise the hand and ask the questions that we are so desperately searching for. It's time to say, you know what? I don't want to exactly tell you what's in my life, but I need prayer. So pray with me. It is time to walk away from this worldly successes, from this world of this is how you have to live. You have to project this smart, this well-built person and into a life that is full of God's love and grace that he is showering upon you at this moment. It is time to say, God, I need you in my life. I want you in my life and I'm done rebellion. I'm done with it. I want you to speak truth in my life. I want you to rescue me where I'm hurting. God, I want to live my life projecting you. I've got these things in my life and I'm done with them. I need you. And let me tell you, there's nobody, there's nothing in your life that can make you new other than God. He takes everything that you have weighing on you and gets rid of it. All those sins, he gets rid of it. He breaks those things that bind you. We're going to go into our final song, and as we do, please, if you need prayer, if you want somebody to walk through, come up here to these steps or come back there with us and pray with us. Let us pray over you. God is moving towards you this morning. Don't turn away. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what you have done for our lives. Thank you for everything you give us. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us. God, you know where we're struggling. You know what's where our hurts are. And we just pray that we have the courage and the ability to give those things up to you. God, help us to step up. Help us to get out of our seats. Help us to walk into a new life with you. Help us to get the prayer that we so badly need. Help us to to reflect on our life with you. Help us to lean on the love and grace that you provide us. God, we're not alone in this world. You are with us every step and you've provided a wonderful family for us to lean on, to confide in, to laugh with, to play with, to celebrate with, and to mourn with. 
God, thank you for taking everything that is in our life that is binding us down and getting rid of it. Thank you for being our chain breaker. 